What's up, world? It's your favorite cousin, Miguel Caldwell. In this life, something is always brewing. So let's just start the conversation. Sit back, take a sip. You are tuned into Miguel's Black Coffee, the podcast. What's up? Thank you guys so much for tuning into Miguel's Black Coffee. If you know me, then you know this is my favorite time of the week. And if you don't know, now you know. So today, before I get into the episode, I want to encourage everybody to get up, get out, and go vote. It's so important that we utilize our voice because there are a lot of times I hear people complain about what what they don't have, but what you do have is the right to vote. So you need to get up and go use it, y'all, because we got to get this orange man out of here. Like (laughs) we we just don't have any we don't have a choice. So. You guys go vote whether you're doing it in person, or in the mail, whatever you're doing, just just vote. Um, but enough of that. I want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. I know I took a little bye week last week. I have um, been super, super busy with some new projects that are on the way. I have a new book called Golden Boy that will be dropping very soon. And Golden Boy is like a, a self-help devotional type book. And it's about knowing that you have the power to create your own path and you have the power to follow that path. And it's because I grew up being a child that was different. The things that I did, the things that I was interested in, it was different from the things that my brothers um, did and the things that my brothers were interested in, even my parents. So it was important for me to realize that I am capable of creating my own path and following it. So you guys stay tuned. The release date is coming very soon for Golden Boy. I'm really excited about that. Speaking of me as a child, today's episode, I want to really hone in on what the what Black parents and Black families, what the role is that we play in a child's mental health. Because it's so important that we we begin to put work in in childhood to enable children to have a, a strong a strong mental health as they as they progress through life. Because life does not get easier, but if you set that foundation, it gives them that rock they have to stand on. So I want to talk about that today. Um, In an article that I was reading on Rolling Stone's website, I learned of a recent open letter penned by the late rapper Juice World, um, his mother. In the letter, she details the knowledge that she had of the struggles that her son was facing. And um, the struggle consisted of addiction, depression, and anxiety. And for anybody who does not know, um, Juice World was a very famous rapper. He didn't have a super long career, but he had a very lucrative one. Um, people people fell in love with his music, and um, he became a big star very, very quickly. Um, but he died on December of 2019 after an accidental overdose, six days after his 21st birthday. So he was very, very young. Um, the news shocked fans all across the world, with many saying that his struggles with mental health were very apparent in his music. Um, and I remember one line in his song... Um, his song Lucid Dreams, where he said, you left me falling and landing inside my grave. I know that you want me dead. I take prescriptions to make me feel A-OK. I know it's all in my head. So that's just an example of what people say when they say that his struggles were apparent in his music. It would, there would be 
lines and things like that that he would say from time to time. And I didn't listen to much of his music, but of course, our Lucid Dreams was a, a, a smash hit. So it was all over the place. So I, I did hear it. And I remember um, listening to it and kind of, you know, really having that, like shaking your head moment, like, okay, okay, like just truly um, listening to what he had to say. So I can definitely see why um, fans have said that his mental health struggles were very apparent in his music. But his mother pins the letter. Um, and as she pins it, she's talking about how he was always able to be open with her about the struggles that he had with mental health because he knew that his mother understood and would not be judgmental of his situation. And his mother also shared in the letter that she treated his mental health as if it was a disease and that's how she handled it and i think that so many times what we do is we pretend or we have this this facade up that mental health is not real because you can't touch it you know what i'm saying so um i think that it was so important how she said that she looked at it and she handled it as if it was a disease because she understood that that's what it was it was just attacking his mind his mental um and i think that the letter that she wrote <clears throat> and her bravery is so important because she ultimately outlined something that is extremely important. And that is black parents, black family members being the source for black children and understanding and recognizing the roles that we as family members play in the mental health of our children. And today I'm more, I want to refer to them as our children because these kids in your family these are your children because i know that i was raised on it takes a village like that was that was what i always heard so today when you hear me say our children yes i'm talking to my black parents um but also the black family as a whole our children so in a lot of ways i feel as if there there's a lot that we're taught in black households that that cause us these these kind of mental health deficiencies if you will um <clears throat> and sometimes it's just lack of knowledge um sometimes we we just don't face things head on but there are a lot of times in within black households and i know in my experience and the experiences of others and this is not you know saying that my parents didn't do a wonderful job because parents truly are most parents are doing the best that they can with what they have. So, but we're taught these these things that kind of cause us deficiencies. And there's sometimes where I feel like we miss the mark when it comes to mental health in the black household. So like we have, <clears throat> we have the startup there. The startup is there, but it's like we don't, we don't have the, the sustainability to just, you know, really, really develop these things that we are telling kids. Because, I mean, kids are like sponges. We know that. They, they soak up everything. But you have to see these lessons all the way through. You can't just start a lesson and then leave it to the child's interpretation. You know what I'm saying? You have to really, really let a child know what you mean. Um, many of the values that we learn in our households are very important, very beneficial but in some cases, there are these things that I like to refer to as misteachings. So today, that's what I want to deal with, like Black misteachings. And they lead us to live in a way that kind of holds us back. 
they kind of hold us back in certain ways. So there are certain things that in the black household we choose not to acknowledge. There are some things we choose to overlook. There are some things that we choose to ignore. But is this is this healthy? Is it really healthy to pick and choose what we acknowledge, to pick and choose what we look at, to pick and choose what we address? For example, when I would cry or attempt to cry when I was younger, I would be told to act like a man or take it like a man. Which, okay, I I didn't really think about this until I look back at it. But when you tell a young man who is crying to act like a man or take it like a man, what you insinuate for a child is that crying is a female characteristic and not something that is expected nor tolerated of men. See where I'm going here with this? But then later on in his life, we get mad when this young boy that is now an older man doesn't showcase his emotion. But when he was younger, you told him that crying was not allowed nor expected of him. You told him to take it like a man. So now that he's not showcasing those emotions and he's not giving you this, here's my heart on my sleeve, it's an issue. And this is not, you know, saying that I don't understand the behind, you know, act like a man, take a man. I can understand it's, you know, like tough it out. Ooh, I, I, yeah, I get it. But when you insinuate this in a child, that's how a child is going to interpret this thing is literally, oh, I'm a man. I'm a boy. I don't, I don't cry. That's for girls. And that is a misteaching because it's okay for you to cry. As, as a boy, as a man, it, that's fine. You have emotions, right? Show them. <clears throat> and I think that we have to, we have to let children know that it's okay. And like I know sometimes children, they go a little far with the crying because you, you know, you have that, uh, 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 like <laughs> some, sometimes it's like, it's too much. It's too much. I completely understand. But the way that you correct that is not act like a man or take it like a man. Because you what you're insinuating to this this young this young boy is that it is not expected nor tolerated of him to to cry or to show his, his emotion how he's feeling. Um a common lesson. Another one that is taught in black households, although it's taught different, sometimes it, it there's this message sent that mental health is not an actual thing. It's not an actual issue. And it's almost like, okay, because I can't touch it or because I can't go and do an ultrasound and, and see, you know, or it's like... We, we treat it as if it's not actual. And I know a lot of times people who have a lack within their mental realm are, oh, you're crazy. And that is so incorrect. That is so incorrect. I mean, how many times, come on, how many times have you heard, there ain't nobody but the devil? 
or you need to pray or ain't nothing wrong with you. It, it's a sad truth that happens in our community. All of, I'm pretty sure people listening to this can relate to that. When you was feeling a little down in mental health and somebody told you that ain't nobody but the devil or ain't nothing wrong with you or you just need to pray. And it follows us through through adulthood, because in adulthood, a lot of times that happens as well. People tell you, like, you know, you need to chill out with that. And that is so incorrect, y'all. And it causes us to have this neg- negatively skewed idea and concept of what mental health is. Just because I'm lacking or just because I'm I'm going through this does not mean that I'm crazy. And it doesn't mean that there ain't nothing wrong with you. That No, there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And I think that this this issue really, really comes into play because a lot of times we are mixing the mental and the spiritual. And I personally feel like those are different realms. There's the physical, there's the mental, and then there's the spiritual. But a lot of times, a lot of times what we do is we mix that mental and that spiritual realm. And that's where we're incorrect. We choose to combine the two, and what happens is it only leads to confusion in both realms. So there's confusion in both realms because you mix two things that you weren't supposed to mix together. Um, I feel like we say, when I say that we're mixing the realms, whenever I'm telling you that I'm depressed, it's, you like that because you don't trust God or you just need to. No, 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 no. I personally do feel as if your spiritual realm can be in one place and your mental realm can be in another place. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I have experienced that when I'm in a great place with God, a great place with God. But sometimes there's still a lack within my mental realm. And and I do feel, however, that the two can work together, but we have to stop making them the same thing because they are not the same thing. I feel like your your spiritual realm can benefit your mental realm. However, I don't think that they should be combined as the same thing. Just because I am depressed does not mean that I don't love the Lord or I'm not trusting God, or I'm not praying, or I'm not seeking him. That's not what it means. It just means that I'm just going through a little something in this realm today. And think about it like this. When you are sick in your body with, say, say you have, you have, child, I'm tired of talking about coronavirus. <laughs> say you have the flu. Because you have the flu in your body, does that mean that you don't love God or you don't trust God? No, it just means that you're sick right now. You still love God. You still trust God, but you're just sick right now. Okay, so we have to stop mixing these realms and we have to understand that there is a separation, that there is a breakdown there. Um, Another thing that I want to talk about, and I, I truly do feel like this applies to your mental, because a lot of times the encounters that we have with other people um, is a huge factor in our mental and a very prominent one. Um, and I, I call this another misteaching. So this is misteaching number what I'm on three or four. Um, is the respect your elders. This is a prominent misteaching that I feel. 
we're told to respect our elders, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Y'all know I love me some older people. I love me some older people, and I respect my elders at the utmost. But the part that we never tell children, and we're never told as children, is that in return, our elders are supposed to respect us. Huh? What you say? (laughs) So we don't teach children that they too deserve respect. We just teach them that they're supposed to give it. I don't think that age should deem someone's worthiness to be respected. I feel like respect should be a basic human right and it should be shared regardless. And I think that when you are when you're telling a child um, to respect their elders and they are doing it, but their elders are not in return respecting them, what you're telling the child is you you have to give respect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it. And that can really mess with your mind and not just within that that aspect of things but in, in all things because when you think about it our elders um are someone that we're supposed to look up to um someone that you know we hold at a at a higher regard and so when we're told okay i'm supposed to respect you even if you don't respect me because i know we all have older people who mean <laughs> like they are just you know they could be a little nasty to you, whether it's aunts uncles people at the church or whatever, there are older people who are very, very nasty towards you, but you're still told you got to respect your elders. See what I'm saying? And I think that that's wrong because then when our young girls get into these relationships with these men who they hold at a higher regard and they're giving their respect and their devotion to them in the same way that we would to our elders, this is just an example. I'm connecting the two. And when this young woman is giving this young man the same regard and respect as she would with her elders because she he's someone that she holds to a high regard but she's not getting that respect in return it goes back to that lesson of okay when i was younger i was nice to my aunt so and so but um she wasn't to me or i had to do this but they had to do this to me so the message that we send when we're telling them to respect the elders but we're not letting them know that they also deserve respect is that they don't deserve it. And I I truly think that that is wrong. And that's something that can truly affect your mental. So I feel like whenever you guys tell a child to respect their elders, also tell the child to expect respect from their elders as well, because they deserve that. I don't think that, I don't think that age deems worthiness for um, respect, worthiness of respect, um, forgive me. Like for me, I respect my elders, but they also better respect me because I will get Miss Sue Ann together if it comes down to it. <laughs> because respect is a two-way street. You have to give it to get it. And that's what we should teach our children, that just like you give it, you're going to get it, baby. Because that within that is a, a lesson that illustrates for a child that they are worthy of respect and it's something they can take with them into their adulthood. Um, The last thing I kind of want to address, and it's one that I witness a whole lot in the Black community. And that is that, and this is 
this ties into your mental. The only way to God is through the church. Now, before I go into this, because I know <laughs> I know all my sinners, all my backsides are like, yeah, he preaching now. No, no, no. <laughs> I love church. Don't get me wrong. I love church. Been church in my whole life. Grew up in church. Probably was born on the back pew, like church. I love church. Um, I've always been a part of uh, the church. I love a good service, like, you know, all of the, the scriptures, the singing, the preaching, the shouting, like, you know, that's my thing. I, I love it. I love it. It's a happy place for me. However, with me loving the church and loving to be in church in that manner, my most powerful, influential moments in my faith never occurred in the four walls of a church. The most intimate moments that I've had with God did not occur within the four walls of the church. And what that tells me is that God is God is my source. The church is not my source to God. Y'all might need to take y'all notepads out. <laughs> but um, whenever I had those moments, I mean, they've been in the car. They've been at the house. They've been, I've been outside, you know, just the moments that have been the most influential in my faith, my most memorable encounters with God, when I think about them, the church is not within those encounters. And I'm not, and this is not bashing the church at all, because like I said, I love the church. And I think that church is a great resource to have in your faith. I'm not telling anybody to stop going to church and go pray out in the grass. That's not what I'm saying. I feel that the church is a great resource to a person of faith. Great resource. It's a great place to recharge, um, a great place to, to get a word that you can apply. But that's the important part, applying it. So um, I think that a lot of times we have this this misconception that you have to go to church to have a relationship with God. And that is not that is not the case. That is not the case because to, to have a relationship with God, you just you need faith. You need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And you need the word. You need you need your Bible, but the Bible is not only contained in the church. You can have Bible in anywhere you want on your phone. At this point in time. And that is what I feel that you need to have that connection with God. So we have to stop sending this message that you're not going to get it from anywhere but the church. It's important to recognize that our relationship with God is personal and unfiltered. And I feel like a lot of times... We know church is kind of like a guide that helps us get to God in ways, but it's not the direct source. Um, sometimes church can give you this idea, this concept, and then you can find out sometimes it is it's not as much like God as you thought. For example, the church is upheld by people, but people will fail you. God doesn't fail you. Therefore, the church can't become 
your God. Because we see this a lot of times where the church kind of becomes, well, we have to do this for church and I have to this church. I'm serving this for church. I'm doing this for church. And and while those things, they are, they are, you know, it, those are good things. However, the church is not your God. It's your point. It's like a point of contact to God. Because when you only experience God at church, you're not experiencing his fullness and what he has to offer you. And I think that this ties into our mental health because we're always told that it's wrong. How you handling this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. And I think that this is one of those very prominent things that you hear a lot of this is wrong about. And it's not. It's not fair. We have to teach our children that it's okay to find what works for you and to hone in on what works for you. You know, I think that mental health is something that is so, so important. And I know we hear people say it a lot, but what I wanted is I want to give action steps and things that we can do, um, things that we need to stop doing, which is what today's episode was mostly about. I'm sorry for reading, y'all. <laughs> I'm sorry for reading, but I just felt like this was something that's so important because I've seen so many times these things that I talked about today, and it's so unfortunate that we're raising generations and generations of people who have these same values. And while they're not necessarily terrible values, it's just we don't have the continuation of letting them know this is the depth to this. We're just giving them the surface level and leaving it to interpretation. And we, we can't do our kids like that. You want You want to give our kids the most that we can. Even if, even if we give them more than what they need, knowing that they have everything that they need. And a lot of times when the house falls down, it's because the foundation was never right. So we have these people who get in their 30s, in their 40s, and then they go to these midlife crises, and this is happening. And a lot of times it's because that foundation, that foundation was not set right. So I want us to help our children in ways that generations before us missed the mark on. And this is not a bash with anybody or any age group. It's just, this is just all facts, you know? The future is in the hands of these children. We have to set these children up with strong foundations because we know what we know. And that's why this episode today is so important. Um, We know what we know. We know what our experience was. And we don't want them to have to go through that same thing. So talk to your children about their mental health. If your child is sad, really dig into it. Like, like why, why are you sad? You know, why are you going through this? Why are you angry? 
and really, really start to to have those conversations, even young, because when that foundation is strong, we build these kids to last. We build these kids to last. So thank you guys so much for tuning into Miguel's Black Coffee this week. I really appreciate you guys coming and having these hard conversations with me. I really do appreciate it. Um, more details about some new things coming up very, very soon. Um, keep your eyes open for um, Golden Boy. I'm so excited about Golden Boy. Um, take care of yourself. Please take care of yourself. Take care of your mind. Take care of your children's mind. Take care of your brother's children's mind. It's just like we're all in this together. And we, we're doing good, y'all. We're doing good, but there's so much for us to do. So until next time, keep sipping, keep inspiring, and keep living. I love y'all.